0: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 28 is where we'll be, and we're going to delight in this passage of Scripture. God is so good to us to have given us the Word of God and that we get to hold it in our hands. Don't take that for granted. There are many in the world that do not have a copy of the Word of God, and you do, and you are a blessed individual, very rich indeed. No matter what's in your bank account, you have the Word of God, and that is true eternal riches right there. So we're thankful for that this morning. Acts 20 and verse number 28, let's read. Take heed, therefore, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Aren't you special this morning? Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Praise the Lord. He's purchased you, this assembly, those that have placed faith in him with his own blood, with his very lifeblood. What a, what a wonderful thing. Verse number 29. For this, or for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone, night and day, with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you an inheritance among all of them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Remember, Paul would. When he would get to a city, if he did not have the support he needed, he would would do tent making. He'd literally make tents. That's what he did when he got to Corinth. And so that's what he's talking about there in verse number 34. Let's look at verse number 35. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, let's read this together, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. And let's pray together. Our Father, again, we bow before you in this assembly, and just thank you for the, the wonderful treasure that your word is to us, and we ask now that you'd open up your word uh, like as if it were, were real bread, Lord, it is spiritual food that um, we're asking you to nourish us with. You've prepared it for us this morning, and I pray that you would nourish every believer here with, with spiritual food that... They would just really sense that you've filled them up. No doubt, some have come today uh, feeling empty, just weary, uh, even like the song just said, weary and worn by a week in the world and uh, being around just the, the constant onslaught of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Lord, you're very good to be able to take your word and and. Gently fill us with spiritual food and nourishment so that we might continue on to serve you. And so we just ask that together this morning and ask that you would speak to every heart. And we'll give you great praise for what you've done. Uh, To one another we'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are in the third section, if you will, of this pastor's conference that Paul has called there in uh, with the the elders or the pastors of Ephesus, and I want us to grab this on the map. Help us out, guys, with with this. And just to remember, he was up in uh, Macedonia. He's come from Ki uh, in the Corinth area, and because there was a, a threat against his life by the Jews, he decided to go on foot and not go straight to Jerusalem uh, for the Pente- uh, celebration of Pentecost. So he's he's traveled on foot. Then he got on a boat somewhere around Philippi and he's traveled down to Miletus where he has been meeting with the Ephesian pastors. Now uh, they were about 30 miles away from Miletus so he called them down because he just had a brief layover. It would be like meeting in an airport hotel except it was a shipyard Something or other, right? Um, in fact, I did a little bit of study this week just to think a little bit more about Miletus. It's an interesting uh, seaport area. There was a a harbor there that Paul might have come into. It's called Lion's Harbor uh, because of the the lions that were actually there and uh, used as the moorings that they would attach the ship to uh, ship to and, ro- and you know, rope it off. And so. Um, maybe Paul passed by this, this, this particular mooring as he uh, docked there for just I don't know if it was a couple days or if it was just a few short hours, but he was there uh, there at Miletus. Also, they would have probably passed by this monument uh, to Pompeii, uh, and it used to be about a 25 foot monument. It's just, uh, just that now. And so he's there in the real place with real people, just like you and I, and he's there with a specific purpose to lead leaders, to invest in the pastors. And by investing in those pastors, he's really investing in the work of God in all those believers' lives there at Ephesus. And so he has really taken this time. The Lord has knit his heart with his Gentile believers. They have welcomed him into, into their lives and really just knit the, uh, knit the heart of the Apostle Paul for three years there uh, knit the heart of the Apostle Paul to these, um, to these pastors and to that, that church body. And so Paul had a, spe- a special burden, and he's there before he goes to, Pen- uh, to uh, Jerusalem and then off to Rome, uh, this, this last stop on this third missionary journey to really just kind of cement some stuff with these, these uh, pastors, these spiritual leaders there to help the church to go forward. So Paul knew what it was to, to lead leaders and really maximize his impact. And we need to just remember that. Uh, who is it that you can impact? Listen, the children that just walked out, uh, they are future leaders, uh, whether in this church or even in our country, in our city. They, they're going to lead someone, and uh, how we impact them, it matters. How you impact and encourage other leaders, it, it, it matters. And so Paul is doing this here with these Ephesian uh, elders, these preachers, these pastors. And he comes down, really he's left off talking about his ministry philosophy. He is a servant of the Lord and a steward of the word. That's how I approach my whole ministry. I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a steward of his word. And then he talks about his ministry path forward. He's going forward in faith. He's going forward according to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He's going forward with joy. And he's going to finish his course. He's going to do it well. And he, he wants to finish. He doesn't want to give up halfway. He's going all the way. He's not retiring. He's going all the way. So he, he sets from his ministry uh, philosophy is ministry path to really giving a practical message to these men and I want you to notice in verse number 28 uh, what is the first uh, first word there uh, take heed and then what's the word the third word therefore. therefore all right I'm going to summarize this all down is what the apostle Paul is saying I, I, I've shared my heart with you I've spent these hours with you now I'm I really want to just bring this down to a point for you all And so he brings a message to these pastors, his ministry philosophy, his ministry path forward, but now a message to these pastors. Here's what I want to give to you. Before I leave, this is what I want to give to you. And so we all need to just be really good students here as the Holy Spirit takes his word and challenges us because just understand that that when God puts something in the word, it is profitable for you too. So just because this is a, a message specifically from Paul, an apostle, to pastors in Ephesus so many years back, God has a message for you too. And so let's grab that message. Let's be good students. You have your handout this morning. I encourage you to follow along with that in the worship guide you should have received on the way in. And I want us to notice what Paul first of all says. He says, take heed therefore. Let's say that out loud together. Take heed therefore. What's he saying? Pay attention, all right? How many of you were teachers? Any of you teachers in school, all right? So how many times have you had to say to your students, Pay attention, all right? Does that happen often? Pay attention. And so, yes, Paul is saying to these believers, uh, to these, these leaders, I want you to pay attention. I want you to take heed. Attend to the needs of the church, of the whole church. He also says a little bit later on, I want you to watch. I want you to be alert. I want you to be aware. I want you to know what's going on. So two times he's, he's commanding them, I want you to be uh, aware. I want you to be paying attention. Take heed, therefore. What are they to take heed to? What are they to pay attention to? First of all, themselves. Themselves. Pay attention, in verse number 28, unto yourselves. Paul told Timothy, in uh, the first letter to Timothy, he told him, he says, I want you to do this. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee and so he says timothy if you want to be a healthy pastor if you want to lead a healthy church you need to take care of yourself and you also need to take heed to the doctrine pay attention to the doctrine what is god saying to you timothy practice it in your life and then preach it why is that important because paul said to the corinthians I fear in my own life that while I preach, I become a castaway. What, what happens when a preacher stops practicing it first and then preaching it? Now, preachers aren't perfect, right? Can we just say amen to that? We all acknowledge that. Now, you also say amen to the fact uh, you're not perfect, right? So we're all not perfect, right? Jesus is perfect. He is the only one that we can truly look to. Uh, Hebrews tells us looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're to look and keep our eyes on him. By faith you stand, Paul said in the first chapter, of 1 Corinthians. Why? Because he said, listen, your faith does not rest in me. It rests in Jesus Christ. So let's keep our eyes in the right place. But at the same time, he's telling Timothy and these Ephesian elders, listen, you need to take heed of yourself. You need to practice the truth. You need to live out the truth and then preach it. Now, there's things that, that these guys would need to work through in their own lives, and sometimes they would be preaching along, and no doubt they would feel the conviction in their own heart. Yep, that's good, Lord. I need that. I need to practice that. That. Lord help me with that give me your grace with that and all that's a part of being a a pastor and so on But but Paul was telling them I want you to take heed to yourselves You can't take heed to the flock well if you first do not take heed to yourselves well And so he says I want you to take heed to the flock now Paul uh, recognized in first Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12 that it was the Lord that put him in the ministry He also told these guys Uh, that they were to take heed to the flock over which the holy ghost had made you an overseer it was the holy ghost that assigned them to the ministry and so paul is recognizing this fact guys you're in this calling you have this opportunity you have this position this service that you're offering and you cannot do it well if you do not take heed to yourselves and pay attention to yourselves this isn't about self-esteem, and this isn't about pampering self. This is simply, this has to do with you make sure that you are looking to the fire of your own soul. It's a tendency of fires to go out. Do you agree with that? They all go out. You've got to stir it up. A pastor has to stir it up. That is what Paul is saying to these pastors. Stir it up. Stir it up. There are times that these pastors would need to come to a conference like this to stir it up. Why does a pastor, why do I go away to a conference just to get some time away? No, to stir it up. Why is it important to connect with other, other preachers and hear the preaching of the word? To stir it up. All right, take heed to yourself. And it ought to be something as you even think about this, just practically as you think about that, uh, you hear I'm away at, at a conference, you ought to be praying, God, would you stir him up? Would you help him take heed to himself? Would you help him to look to the fire of his own soul? Would you help him to practice what he preaches? That's a good prayer, right? That's a good prayer. So it, it's a needed prayer. And so I want us to take a moment, and I'm just going to say ahead of time, there is a, a slight possibility, because there's a lot in this passage, there's a slight possibility we may, we may just be here for a little while, okay? I want you to go over to 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 1. I want you to notice this because Paul's talking to pastors. He says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now, what's that word there? A good work. Not, not a pleasure cruise, not a walk to the park. He desires a good work. Now, it is said that, that likely Timothy at one point or another pastored the church at Ephesus. So he's telling Timothy, listen. When you desire the office of a bishop, the office of a pastor, when there's this desire, this God-given uh, desire in your heart to pastor, just understand that this is a work. It's not something you know. It's not a position that you get to lord it over everyone. And boy, it's just this really cushy position. No, it is a good. Work it's a work. It's something to be labored in and Paul talks about that labor But I want us to be there at first Timothy chapter number three and verse number two because we live in a day Where we see a lot of a, a lot of churches a lot of pastors a lot of people setting themselves up as pastors Does the Bible have anything to say about what a pastor should be? Yes now Does the Bible say a pastor is to be perfect? No Does the Bible say that a pastor should be put on a pedestal and worshipped? No. But a pastor does need to follow some qualifications. We're going to take some some time here just to read what the Bible says about that. Because that's important for us all to recognize. Now, um, I don't say this to, to put us in alarm, but friends, what would happen if this is my last Sunday? And God takes me home. Are you ready to bring in another pastor that's going to walk according to these qualifications. You just got weird and sober, right? But it's true. Do you know what you're looking for in a pastor? Do you know what you're supposed to be praying for in your pastor's life? So he's saying, take heed to yourselves. Well, what what is it that they're supposed to be taking heed about? What are they supposed to be what are they supposed to be doing? And so, look here. Uh, it's actually Second Timothy. No, First Timothy. I'm in the wrong spot. You're there, and I'm not. So, First Timothy, chapter number uh, three, and verse number two. A bishop must be blameless. That's the idea of not having anything that the public can get a hold on. No, n- nothing that can be grabbed onto and, and an accusation can be made. Uh, so he must be blameless. The husband of one wife, he is, he is to be exemplary in, in his marriage. Uh, he is to be a one-woman man. Well, wouldn't that solve a lot of problems in church life today if the pastors were one woman men, Right. So uh, we believe that a pastor should be able to, to have a pattern of faithfulness. And so uh, we also believe here at Grace Baptist, uh, uh, we, we uh, believe that a pastor should not be divorced and, and remarried, that he should be a one-woman man. He, he should have an example that he's leading in that way. And so he's the husband of one wife, vigilant. By the way, he is the husband. He's the husband of one wife, we even have this whole thing here that you know, the Bible tells us that, there, uh, that there's men and women, and God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman. And then the other thing here is that he is to be a husband. So we, we value and elevate the, the wonderful creation of, of womanhood in God, the, the, a husband or a man. And no one's going to help me out and say Amen with that, but that, that's fine. And and listen, by the way, the ladies that have a heart for God really want men, husbands to lead in their homes, and they want a man to lead. God has designed it this way. That is not downplaying. That is not chauvinistic in any way. Uh, that is simply this is what God laid out. He laid out this pattern, and so he is to be the husband of one wife, vigilant, to be eager, he's to be on guard, sober. Uh, the idea of, of serious, of good be apt to teach, he's ready to teach, he's not given to wine, he's, he's, not, he's not dabbling in wine. Um, aren't you glad, you came this morning, your pastor's sober, right? Um, alone, Proverbs talks all about it, uh, don't look at it when it's uh, read in the cup, uh, uh, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise you have it in your fridge go home and pour it out real simple go home and pour it out and you'll be better for it and so be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit he's not to be a striker he's not to be greedy of filthy lucre the idea he's greedy for gain uh, Do we as an American and uh, $700 million is their net worth and so on? And I'm not saying it's wrong to be rich. God does bless. He blessed Solomon. But I am saying that, that something just starts to, you know, you start to, you start to have a little bit of question. He's not to be greedy of filthy lucre. He is to be patient. Verse 3 again. He's not to be a brawler. He's not to be ready. My dad used to say that uh, I, I, I would be a lawyer when I, grow up, I grew up. Because I, I was argumentative, not right, kids, but I was argumentative as a child. And you know, someone had to weed some of that out. It doesn't help a soul. It doesn't help your soul to be always in fight mode. It doesn't help. There's plenty to stand for, earnestly contend for the faith, but you know, God even had to weed some of that out in, in my own life and purify that out. And not constantly looking for that battle, not covetous not constantly desiring everything that everyone else has, um, one that ruleth his well, his own house. And one of the things I'm exceptionally grateful for in, in the Grace Baptist Church family is the, the understanding of that and even, even how sometimes uh, I'll, I'll get a phone call or you know someone will take me aside, your, your, your daughter, son, they did this, and I just thought you'd want to know, and I say thank you not because someone's holding them to a higher standard, just because they want them to be godly. And I wasn't there, and so they're help, uh, helping me out in that way. But you should be alarmed if the pastor says, you know what, I don't want to hear you t- um, talk about my kids. And, and, and it's, certainly there's a right spirit in all that. Even, even parent-to-parent within our church, right? You see another, uh, another, uh, another family's child doing something, and you go to them with kind of a, like, my child would never do this, but I saw your child doing this right? And that's not the right spirit, but all of us, by the way, let's just take this as a, uh, a teaching moment. All of us should be willing to hear someone say that about our children and say, you know what? I'm going to look into that. I'm going to talk to them and, and we're going to help them do what's right. Thank you for caring enough about my child that you would uh, say something to me. we all agree with that, parents? We all agree? And, uh, and so uh, he is to rule his house well. He is to have them in subjection and, and so on. Straight to lead his own house. How shall he take care of the church of God? Great question. Great question. Not a novice, so he's not to just be in in the state. You know, the statement. You know, what behind the ears? He he's to have some experience. Only way to get experience is to get experience, right? And uh, and so that's that's a helpful thing. I am thankful for the experience that God gave me. Here in this, this church, one of the great privileges and wonders of this church is that you got to see me get married and step into ministry, and then you, you allowed me to be uh, your pastor, and uh, you, you saw me come through some of those, those novice, novice moments in my, my own life. And, uh, but God says, not a novice. There has to be some experience. Why? Is there a reason for that? Lest, being lifted up in pro- uh, with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil one of the big things for guys coming right right out and they're called to the Lord think about Moses he has a call and then immediately he goes out and takes matters into his own hands and he has pride in his heart and say it's not about you it's not about a position it is about shepherding and stewarding my people and my flock and so he's not to be a novice why because God doesn't want him to be lifted up in pride wow this is a great position this is awesome uh, and, and, no no It's not about that. It's not about position. And again, just being uh, transparent in that way, I I believe much of what the Lord was doing in my life in my 20s was teaching me that pastoring was not, though I was called at the age of 17, I said yes to the Lord at that age, uh, pastoring was not a position. It's a calling. It's not about having a position. You must have a good report of them which are without. Lest he fall into the reproach and snare of the devil. So the idea is that he is to have a good report uh, from the world around. Uh, that the world around isn't casting accusations. Well, here's my neighbor and why? He, he never, he always blew his glass clippings into my driveway and, you know, whatever it is. Okay, so you he have a good report um, from them that are without. Now, I want us to go one step further and just deal with something here. Look at verse number 8. Likewise, read it out loud with me, verse number 8. Likewise must the deacons be grave. Now, we're not going to go all through that right now. But I want us to also just notice that the Bible puts the qualifications upon the Grace Baptist Church pastor and the deacons, and there can be multiple uh, uh, staff or pastors, if you will, but the, the general office of pastor and deacon, and God has qualifications on those spiritual leaders, all right? And those qualifications come from scripture. So we all know where those are? 1 Timothy chapter number 3, verses 1 down through about uh, verse number uh, 12. And so we want to make sure that we are mindful of that. So what are these guys to take heed to? Take heed to yourselves, these areas. Take heed to your own emotional health, your strength, and and so on. So uh, we've read the qualifications. We understand that. I hope that's a good refresher for you this morning. Pastoring is a 24-7 calling. It's a calling. It's not just an occupation. It is a calling. It's, it's different in the sense that, that God has, has called. It doesn't change you. You're still a Christian. You're still a follower of Jesus Christ. You're still a disciple, but it's simply a specific calling to lead specifically the church or the flock of God. Now, uh, a, a leadership guru of years gone by, uh, Peter Drucker, he said this, and I thought it was interesting, and I just, I, I just say it. So that we understand why it was so important what Paul was saying to these pastors, "Hey, take heed to yourself. Why?" Well, it's not necessarily always going to be easy. Peter Drucker uh, categorized this, he taught on leadership here in the United States. Uh, he categorized four of the hardest jobs in America, and he said this: a uh, university president and, and trying to, you know, please everyone, all right. Uh, university president, a CEO of a hospital, especially through COVID, right? and a pastor he said, these are the four hardest. Now, I'm not even sure that he knew the Lord. But I'm just saying that there is, a, there is a weight and responsibility in these guys there in Ephesus that Paul knew about, and he says, take heed to yourselves. Watch yourselves. Be on guard. Through COVID, that was very, as you many of you understand, and uh, just along with the pressures that are upon pastors, Barna Group did a, a survey of pastors uh, in 2021 and found, November 2021, found that 38% of pastors in the United States said on, uh, in response to their surveying uh, that they had thought of quitting the full-time ministry within the past year, within the year of 2021. Uh, only 35% of the pastors responded back that they, they f- sensed that they were healthy and they gave about six different six different I mean, excellent or good and it was only 35% of those and so out of out of that whole survey in that same survey they found that 38% were just really wrestling with this idea hey maybe I'll just step out of the full-time ministry and friends there's a need to take care uh, for pastors to take heed to themselves and so what does this have to do with you you're not a pastor but you have a pastor right so you oh, lord I want my pastor to be physically healthy. I want my pastor to be healthy in, in these different ways. So how can you affect that uh, unless you want to follow me around all week? How can you affect that? Wouldn't, wouldn't you like that? That would be just awesome. Just, you know, ha, ha, have you follow me around, around all week. Now, how can you affect ever hear from his congregation via note, text, in any other way is I am praying for you and here's how. I'm praying for your purity. I'm praying for your marriage. I'm praying for you as you preach and prepare to preach this Sunday that what you are preparing will be real in your life. You say, that sounds like I'm, you know, I'm second-guessing the pastor. I'm a person, and I need prayer that I would take heed to myself. Giving out, much giving out. It's particularly Tuesday this week, this past week, felt just like a day that every phone call was... Was give out. At some point, there has to be a take in. Um, and there, at some point, there has to be this this taking heed to the self. And you can help with that with your prayer. Here, he's telling these guys to pray. Now, one other verse that I want to bring your attention to: First Thessalonians five and verse number twelve. We're a team here, right? So it isn't just about the pastor doing his gig and uh, and we do our thing. No, we're a team here, and. What happens, i also told the Thessalonian believers, remember they're up in that, in that area of Macedonia, and he's telling them, he's writing to them, he says we beseech you brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the lord and admonish you so what's he saying about no he's saying listen i i want you to know them it's not like yeah i know him this mystique mistake this idea of this this huge distance between the pastor and and the flock jesus didn't operate that way he was with his disciples was he not for three years so he's with them there was a relationship the many of the reason and and though it does it does uh it does open up and and sometimes gets busy but much of the reason there, he intended for there to be a, a relationship there. Now, I appreciate the way that, that so many of you respect, and one of the, one of the, the, the maybe difficult things to, to hear, and I, I, I hope maybe just to take this opportunity just to, to set this, um, is sometimes people call me and say, I'm sorry for bothering you. I'm sorry for bothering you. And that's the first words. Okay. Okay, let, let's just be real. God has placed me here. No, I can't deal with everything all the time right in that moment. And, but the, the fact is, God has given you a pastor and it is my privilege to talk with you, to pray with you, to minister to you, even if it is in an inconvenient moment. And if it is, we're all big people, right? We can say, can I call you back Tomorrow, I'm really trying to spend time with my family today. Wouldn't you be okay with that? Is it an emergency? Can it wait till tomorrow? Can we schedule that? We're all big people. That 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 works out in life. And so, uh, don't don't feel like it's a bother. Others, did you realize that one of the ways also that you can help the pastor? This happened while I was away. Is one of the ways that uh, you can help the pastor is is by carrying the burdens of each other and praying for one another. Do you know that's supposed to be happening? So are you accessible? Nope, no one's having my cell phone number. No way. And if they text me at an odd time, no way. No, we're a family, right? We communicate with each other. And we live in this wonderful, crazy day where these things dominate our lives. So just like there's to be a relationship here, there needs to be a relationship all across the, all across the auditorium. Boy, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, team that God has shipped. Work on that relationship. One of the reasons I give every single new, um, a new person to our church, new family member to our church, the book You and Your Pastor, is just to kind of set the ground. What does God want this relationship to be? Should you reach out? Should you seek counsel? Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And did you notice this? And to be at peace among yourselves. You say, how can I bless my pastor? Pray for him and be at peace among yourselves. Pastor, that person cut me off in the parking lot. You're a big person. You could probably deal with that between you and the Lord. Right? Be at peace. They told me my child did this and they really didn't do it. You know what? You have the ability to call them and say, hey, we really need to just sit down and talk about this, and, and maybe, maybe a mediator is needed. But you have the ability. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit I have. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so, be at peace among yourselves. I just find that one interesting, that that's, the, that's kind of the one action item uh, that, that he gives. Be at peace among yourselves. And uh, how's the only way that we can have peace? When we're listening to the Holy Spirit. When we're listening to the Holy Spirit. So, pay attention to yourselves, pastors. Let's move on. Pay attention to the church. Pay attention to the church and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. So, to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So, the flock is the... Who's the flock? So, who's the flock here? Aren't you so happy that you've been likened to a herd of sheep? All right, you know, just a and, you know, we we are sheep and uh, and that's what Psalm 23 talks to us about. And so we are uh, we're likened to that this flock, the saints, those that have called on Jesus Christ and they've accepted Jesus as their personal savior. And again, listen, there's nothing that we want you here we want you to be a part of what God is doing here in our lives. We want God to work in your hearts like He's working in our hearts. We're on a journey. But listen, the, the entrance into the church is through salvation and baptism. Baptism does not save you. But the Bible says, a- Acts 2 and verse number 41, then they that gladly received His word. They were saved, they placed faith on him, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So, uh, there is a need for you to accept Jesus Christ, and then you can be a part of this wonderful thing called his body, the church, or here, the flock, and God had assigned these Ephesian elders to that flock. Praise the Lord, God had assigned them. And uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It It wasn't some big high board that said, you go here and you go here. By the way, the way that we operate here is you all, uh, there was a day uh, in 2015 where you voted, and if you weren't there at this time, the church that was present at that, that point voted to call me as the third pastor of Grace Baptist Church. That, that was a, a congregational vote that happened then. And so the Holy Spirit put in my heart, boy, you, you need to be a pastor Yes, sir, at the age of 17, he was working and preparing and and purifying and and dealing with me and preparing me for that day when God said, all right, and this is where you're going to be. And saying, we believe this is right, and so we say yes here. And, uh, and so this is what we're affirming. We believe the Holy Spirit is leading in. And so the Holy Ghost was the one that, that assigned them there in Eph, uh, Ephesus. And, and so here uh, does the same in our day as we're sensitive to him. So what were they to do? To feed the flock of God. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 1 uh, talks a lot more about that. The elders, the pastors which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and an, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords Not like a dictator over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock, a spiritual leader. And so that's what they were to do. They were to be a spiritual leader to the flock, lead out in that that way. They were to feed. That's the idea of pastoring and and caring for the needs. So this was not just any flock, these elders, which, by the way, elders, bishops in in Scripture, as we said in past messages, it's just another job description of the the pastor. He is one to have, he is to have a spiritual testimony, and he's to lead from that, in his, in his own life. So he's to be an elder, an overseer, an administrator of the flock, uh, one who watches over it, uh, um, cares for it, is accountable for the assembly before God. And so that's kind of the idea of the, of the bishop. But here he is, he's to feed the flock. He's to, shepherd. he's to shepherd the flock of God. And it's not just any flock. It is the flock that Jesus purchased with his own blood. That's pretty valuable. You say, I'm, not, I'm worthless to this flock. Nope, not at all. You've been purchased with the blood of just his church that he is building, and he's building it with you. And again, I just say, if you've not yet accepted Jesus Christ, you can. And you, what he did for you at Calvary can become effective in your life today. And so he says he's purchased it with his own blood. He's procured it. He has brought it to himself. He's redeemed it. Husbands, love your wives, and all the wives say... That was weak. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives. There you go. Maybe we should just have the men say amen. Husbands, love your wives, men. Even as Christ also loved the church. That's not a high standard. And gave himself for it. Wow. Love your wife that way. No matter what. That's unconditional. Wow, that's a pretty high standard. Guys... I urge you to look to Jesus as your example for loving your wife. And so the responsibility of the pastor is to feed, to shepherd. That's, everything is kind of a general term, that word feed, for the, the shepherding of the flock. Take care of them. And uh, with God's help, I've accepted that responsibility, and it is a responsibility. The Bible talks about that. He's given that responsibility, and by the way, Hebrews 13, verse 17 says that the pastor will give an account to God. The book of Revelation, chapter 1 and chapter 2 and 3, in the letters to the churches, Jesus called the pastors into account. He sent the pastor, but you have a pastor, and so here's the question, will you allow the pastor, will you allow me to pay attention? I'll do my very best with God's help. I'm not Superman, but I'll do my very best. And I'll I'll just say I'll probably miss some things. I I I won't probably. I will miss some things. But will you allow me to pay attention to you? Will you allow there to be a, a relationship? Uh, don't don't hold at arm's length. I, I, I won't soon forget the quote that Brother Billy Ingram gave us during the revival week that he said he challenges his people with. He says, you're either being pastored or you're being pastored around. There's some people that are easy to pass, and then there's other people that are always running the fence line. They're always out in the distance. They're always, and they're on my heart, and it's like, where are they? They, they miss this, and they miss that. They, they seem distant. They, they, they're not singing out from their heart. I can see it on their face, and, 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 and they're always running the fence line. Are you being pastored, or are you being pastored around? I saw a picture this week that popcorn uh, is heated in the same pan in the same oil and you know it pops at different times you know it's amazing that you can get all the way to the end of the heat and some don't pop right they, they just and you you get this whole you get this whole pile of seeds down to the bottom you know what boy i was so blessed how is that friends are you willing to allow the pastor to pay attention are you willing to develop the relationship are you willing to take a step toward well he should have called me Call them. Call me. And so as, as you just think about that, are you willing to be shepherded? Are you willing to communicate? Are you willing to serve with? I want to, uh, seeing that this message has turned uh, more personal in this way and, and, and it's coming out a little bit different than how I, uh, how I, I thought, but I think it's good for us to, to be here and talk about these very practical matters. Are you with me? Amen. So I want to embarrass a couple of people um, and, and then I'll ask forgiveness later. Um, I, was, I was writing this message down, and it, and it, it dawned on me yesterday afternoon that uh, some guys this week um, took uh, on themselves to do some ministry. And by the way, ministry is happening all over. Pulled up this week. Whoever mowed the lawn, it, it looked beautiful this week. Praise the Lord, did, did a fantastic job. And you guys are constantly um, doing that, just knocking it out of the park, making sure that things look pretty and, and uh, the and the communication that happened between the church family and you know kind of get a mapping of all that happening through any given week wouldn 't that be fun just to see what God is doing between uh, one another but um, uh, Brother Minnow and Brother Brenton and brother Caleb uh, went over to help a church plant this this past week on Friday, as I understand. And uh, I was at a pastor's conference and really needed my heart filled. And I, I was kind of, it was a pastor's meeting here in Ohio. And just, I, I was just, uh, just struggling a little bit. And the Lord used the messages that day to really encourage my heart. And I had my two sons with me and encouraged their hearts. And it was just, it was a God moment. But uh, as the pastors were introducing themselves in that pastor's meeting, one of the pastors stood up and, and said, Hey, I pastor Life Signs Deaf Baptist Church. And, uh, and so uh, he's over in New Albany, and uh, Pastor Scott Crabtree, and he said, you know, we have a, a real big need. And we, uh, in, a, in a hearing church, sound is everything. But in a deaf church, uh, sight is everything. And when the platform is low and we fill up our auditorium, people complain about not being able to see and they can't get the message, all right? So that's a problem. He says, if any of you would just pray about this, we really have a need to raise up our platform, and, uh, and so that people can see and hear the word. The church is about four years old, as I understand it. And so, uh, anyway, I'm on my way home from that project and then came back and Britton and, and, and Brother Caleb uh, went along with him this past Friday. Well, what's just super encouraging to me, and I, I'm highlighting this, but this is happening. Friends, you all are doing your meeting needs, and that's a big blessing. You're serving together. That's a huge blessing, all right? I didn't go one, I didn't go one time. You guys did it all. Um, but I, I texted with him yesterday and he was overwhelmed by our church's ministry through these men uh, to them. He says, They wouldn't even let me fill up their gas tank. And so um, they, they, were t- he, they were blessed. And today he goes, I'm just, I'm so looking forward to being um, a little taller today in church. And so there's a deaf church that's meeting together on a platform that, that our body, um, through these guys put together and, and, and build up. Just a very practical thing. But do you know what that is? It's serving together. Do you, know how, do you know how that encourages my heart as a pastor? Because I, I, I literally drove into my, uh, into my street yesterday and thought, you know, I didn't have to. Well, others in the church served together, right? Isn't that the beautiful picture? And so, uh, listen, this paying attention to the, to the flock, there's a, there's a responsibility on, hey, I want to be a part of what God's doing. When, when there's a burden on pastors' heart, I want to be—I want to be connected there. I want to—I want to be able to serve. I want to be able to join in on that. Let's keep growing in that. Let's be willing to be pastored. Let's be willing to be sent. Hey, this project needs to happen. By the way, some of. Some of you all are signing up to go up to Dearborn, Michigan and to visit that church plant up there in in the heart of uh, that Muslim city, and and they've gotten a building, and and what a blessing that is. And I talked to Brother John Connor, and they're looking for a building over in in Hilliard, Ohio, and we'll have an opportunity to visit there. And some of you are planning to to go and serve in Grenada, and praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And so the greatest ability is not your abilities, but it's availability. The greatest ability is availability. And that goes right down to what they were to be developing in the church. Hey, let's, 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 let's work together. Let's serve together. Let's communicate together. And they were to be paying attention to the flock. Then one more thing that I'm going to hit today, and this will be where we end. And I want us to think about this. They were to pay attention to themselves, to the church. Helping the churches to serve together, shepherding, feeding them through the Word, uh, feeding them the, the truth of God's Word, which, by the way, is what is the most needed thing in a church body. What a church, what a, what a church feels about the Word of God is, is, is the most important thing. We, we must gather around the Word of God. We must not slight that. And so they're to feed the church of God and feed it from the Word. And by God's grace, every time the doors are open, we're going to say, let's turn in our Bibles and let's get into the Word. Right? Let's see what the word has to say. But they're also to pay attention to their enemies. Verse number 32. Read it, uh, read it with me or look at it with me. He says, for this I know, verse number 30, uh, 29, for this I know that... Now, little cats can be grievous. I, uh, I, I needed to chase the cat out of... Uh, it was supposed to be in the basement last night. The thing was hissing at me. Sabrina had come home from camp and been away from her cat all, all week long, and it was out of sorts. and uh, I feared... I feared that the thing was going to jump up and, and, uh, and claw me one. Um, I did. And that's why I had, a, I had a broom as I was gently shepherding that thing uh, to its cage. And it ultimately got in its cage. But this isn't cats, this is wolves. And he says they were entering among you. Paul in Philippians says, Beware of dogs. He was not reading a sign that he saw on, on, you know, on a house there in, in, in Philippi. He's saying, beware of dogs. Beware of false dogs. Teachers, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, he says. So the wolves here, Paul is talking about these false teachers that bring in doctrinal air into the church assembly and, and peddle it among each other. No wolf comes in. They, they deeply sink in. They do not come up to the pastor and say, I'd like to peddle. I want to teach some false doctrine and I just wanted you to be aware. They never do that. They instant message it. They share a YouTube link. They share a book. They call pay attention because this is going to happen. And I, I think we live in a day where there is so much falsehood that is spread about. And much of it is spread through technology and YouTube. You can find a pastor. You can listen to a pastor every single moment of the day. And just because they're a pastor doesn't mean you should be listening to them. There are a lot of false teachers on YouTube that you can bring right in and put in your living room on your TV screen. Beware, by the way, those false teachers that make their living in the limelight there are not going to be the ones to visit you in the hospital or to preach your funeral. And it's amazing how many times God's people will give up allowing a pastor to shepherd them for the voice of somebody that is hundreds of miles away. But this one said, I am saying this, God will give you a pastor and these guys will sneak in and their heart is to get the flock. Now, did you notice there? It says they, they don't spare the flock. They don't care if they're harming it. They don't care if they blow it up. And he says they, they want to draw them away. Some will even rise up from within the flock. They want to draw away. And so they, they always steal sheep. They don't co- convert people. They steal sheep. They, they go after those that are already in the flock. They don't go door to door or you know, find a person, lead them to the Lord. They go after. And friends, he says beware to these preachers. He, I want you to beware. And so what are some of the things that we ought to beware about? I want you to notice a few things that, that, are, that are doctrinal error that can creep into a church Uh, this one's really obvious, and I know that most of you would say, we see that, we stand against it, but this whole matter, the Bible says salvation is by faith through grace, and it's not of yourselves. It's by grace through faith. It's not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith. We don't dip the flag on that. But friends, it's easy to say, here's somebody come in, and just to accept, oh, I'm saved, I've always believed. I'm a pretty good person, and and not really to stand up for salvation by grace through faith. I always, always will talk to a person and and try to say, when was the point in your life where you realized you're a sinner and that your sin deserved the, the, the penalty, the judgment of Almighty God, and you turned to Jesus Christ the day that you came to Jesus Christ? When was the day? When was that point? And it is so important that we stand for salvation by faith. But one of the false doctrines that's taught in so many churches is that we, we earn our salvation. We earn our salvation. And it is a false doctrine. It's against Scripture. Now, there are many others. We believe in in, in salvation by faith through grace. Jesus Christ, through the work of Jesus, creep into the church. This this idea of hedonism. You say, well, there's there's no way that hedonism could creep into our church. You know what hedonism is? It is living for the senses. It is living for material uh, goods and sensual pleasures. Do we not live in a society that is full of hedonism? And you know what? Soon enough, the people of, of God, as they bump shoulders with the world day after day after day, oh, it's not so bad. And live for the senses. We have to be aware. We have to be aware. Life is not in the things that you have. If I have this, I can be happy. If I have this, I'll, I'll finally be in the right spot. No. Worrying your relationship with the Lord. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love God. Not self. Not what you can feel. Not what you can buy. This one I hear pop up more and more and more. Universalism He that believeth on him, Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There is one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is no other way to get to heaven. But the universalists today, because we all just want to be accepting and and, and so on, by the way, we preach that in love. The most loving thing that we can do as a church is we can share with people how they can go to heaven, how they can have their sins eternally forgiven. And so we're not all God's children. Whosoever will may come, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What about this matter of pragmatism? The ends justify the means, whatever it takes to draw a crowd. Hey, if, if, if we have a crowd, then that means it's successful. We rate many churches in America and in the world as successful. The truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There are many that are built upon a secret sensitive model, which is whatever we need to do to appease the people coming in order to get a crowd, that's what makes it successful. No, the ends do not justify the means. If you get them by worldly methods, you will have to keep them by worldly methods. What Jesus wants is a pure church. And that does not mean that we push people away, that we want everyone to come to Jesus Christ. But the fact is, God has told us, come out from among them and be ye separate. There is to be a difference, a distinct difference between the truth. We built upon truth, our, our first uh, distinctive as Baptist is biblical authority. What does the Bible say? Humanism is creeping in all over. God is all about affirming you and your feelings. God revolves around you. No, not at all. In the beginning, God created the heavens the earth. God is the creator all life, everything, all time, everything revolves about me. It is about God. And yet, humanism makes humanity central. And even as you look at the humanist website of of America and and their leading website, they say, good without God, we don't need him. It's all about us. No, we need him. We need him desperately. But how does that infiltrate the church when we put ourselves up as preeminent? There is one person that is to be preeminent in the church, and his name is Jesus Christ. And anytime we exalt ourselves... Anytime we exalt ourselves, whether that's the pastor or the people, anytime we exalt ourselves into that preeminent spot, we have allowed humanistic thinking to dominate. But there's so much out there in this this day of of preachers that's all about you, your best life now. It's all about you. God exists to make you comfortable, to serve your conveniences, just mm, just to pamper you. And to to help your self-esteem, he exists to help you. It's all about you, your best life now. Listen, the Bible tells us that it's given to us on the behalf of Christ, not just to believe on his name, but also to suffer for his sake. Jesus did not promise our best life now. He promised it then. It's coming. It's our blessed hope. Because we're so cushy here in America, we have lost, we, we want our best life now. We want it now. No, it's not for now. It's for then. And until then, as, as anything that a uh, blessing comes through, any comforts that God gives us, we should look back to Him and, and rejoice. But for right now, so much humanism that has come into the church in this day. And so we are to be aware. Uh, those pastors were to be aware of the wolves. And there's many more that could be mentioned. But the goal of wolves is not to, to find their own converts. The goal of wolves is to draw away the disciples. It says that they're to change their beliefs, to move them, pull them away. That is the goal. And I can think of people that even have sat in these pews and have been pulled away by wolves, those that try to change their thinking away from the simplicity of the word of God. There are times that I might, in order to achieve this with God's help, that I might have to make a warning. might have to, you guys can take that down off the screen, but I might have to make a warning. Uh, I might have to make a ministry adjustment. Do you know that people don't always, I can, I can schedule a year more in advance. Things change. And there's times that I've had to, in ministry, make a call. Say, you know what? We're going to do something a little bit different because there's something that needs to not go that way. I uh, might encourage you and admonish you to reconsider what you're reading, listening to, who you're listening to, my responsibilities. I'm not infallible in that. Jesus is. Aren't you thankful for that? So, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen to God's word and apply it right into your lives? Are you willing to obey them that have the rule over you, that, that spiritual leadership, and, and submit yourselves? You know what, Pastor, I don't see it exactly that way, but you know what, I appreciate your concern, and I'm, I'm going to follow along with that. Because, and there's a lot in there that's very, very practical to us today. And so if they're told to pay attention to the, the flock, then the, the flock should pay attention to what, what is being said, and the flock should welcome that. And so maybe today as we just um, bring this all to a close, we would just say, you know what, Lord, I thank you for giving us a pastor and I, I want to I wanna pray for him. Uh, I, I, I want to welcome his ministry and, and pay attention to the flock. I also want to pray and just support uh, this, this matter of him paying attention to enemies. There's, there's, there's much that is shifting in our day. Uh, God's truth does not shift. There's much that is shifting in our day. And so we want to... We want to be believers who pay attention. How many of you say today, Pastor, uh, areas to pray for, and, and I'm, I accept that challenge, and I will be uh, more concerted in praying for you uh, in, this, in this matter. And so if anyone would just say that this morning, would you just put up your hand to that? I appreciate that very much. I know that's personal, but I, ask, I do ask for your prayer. How many of you say God worked specifically in listening and developing that relationship and God worked specifically in my heart in that area? Anyone like that this morning? God worked specifically in my heart. Amen. How many of you realize there's wolves that want to creep in and you would pray that God would help your pastor in this matter of watching out and paying the very best to pay attention to what God is doing in your pastor's life and in following that way? I have one more question. Do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? Do you know you're a part of the family of God? Have you been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you allowed him to save you from all of your sins? Anyone, without anyone looking around, is there anyone like that this morning? I don't know for certain, but I'd like to. I'm not going to point you out, but I'd certainly like to know. Is there anyone that God's working in your heart? I don't know for certain that I'm saved, but I'd certainly like to. Anyone like that at all today? I say, Lord, my pastor is to pay attention to us, and so I pray for him in that way. The Lord help me to pay attention to what my pastor is, is leading, how he's shepherding, and uh, pay attention to the word that's preached, and to, to, to develop that relationship. If you need to follow the Lord and Believer's Baptism, or you would like to be saved, you're always welcome to just step out of your seat, and I'll meet you here at the front. You want to follow the Lord and Believer's baptism, you've been saved, but you've not yet identified with Him, certainly you're welcome to Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit GraceKettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.